tell you a little story about uh, growing up on a farm. Uh, we grew up, I grew up with, many of you know, we had sheep, lots of them. We had cattle. We had psychotic geese that would attack me whenever they had the opportunity. Completely crazy. We, had no, we didn't plant crops at the farm I grew up in. I, I think the, plo- the closest that we got to planting crops was a garden that we had. And I don't know if you grew up with a garden, but they're good and bad. I mean, bad memories would be weeding the garden. I've talked about weeding before and what that looks like. And uh, I mean, weeding on hot days, just 110 degrees and out there pulling more weeds. There were more weeds than there were fruit or vegetables combined. But that's a bad memory. Good memories were the fruit and the vegetables. When I walked out to the garden and I saw the watermelons, and I saw the stalks of rhubarb, and I saw the strawberries, they were my favorite, picking these plump strawberries right off the vine and eating them right in the garden. And you're thinking, you didn't wash them? No, I didn't. In fact, I rubbed them in a little dirt to make it a little bit more flavorful. I didn't care. But they were so good. You know what? I think we had squash too, but that's a bad memory. Okay, anybody like squash? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I have a lot of praying to, praying to do this week. This is crazy. Squash? I don't, maybe, we're, maybe I'm making it wrong. I don't, I smush. Anyway, so, um, but, but I, I'm no expert on fruit, but I knew that, I knew good fruit when I tasted it. Sometimes I act like I'm an expert on fruit when I go to like the grocery store, because I'll, I'll take the watermelon and you know how you, you kind of knock on it. I, I don't, I have no clue what I'm doing. Like I'll do it because that's what you're supposed to do. But I, it's like I'm waiting for it to talk back and say, Pick me. I'm good. You know, I don't know. I'm like, I just knock on. I'm like, all right, well, you're good. So I don't know a lot about it, but I, but I know this. I know that uh, when you plant something and, and, and the surroundings is, are healthy, it, it's going to grow. And you get what you plant, right? So even in church planting, you, when we planted Meadows Church three and a half years ago, I mean, they, called, they call it when you start a church planting because the church is a living organism. And you plant it, and you expect growth. If it's healthy, it's going to grow. That's what happens. So I, I'll never forget when we were planting in Meadows three and a half years ago. We were praying about all kinds of stuff, even even like name. and Well, the name came to us pretty easy, but uh, logo and all this kind of stuff. And I heard about a church that launched before we did in Colorado. And they were their color was green, and their logo was like a cross. And when they launched, people stood outside the door. They had a line outside the door to get in. And I was like, dang. But well, come to find out, I guess the, the cross, the green cross, actually is like the international symbol for marijuana. So they thought it was a dispensary. I'm not kidding you. True story. They th- anyway, so I thought, if that's what gets people here, you know, I know some people. Anyway, so, um, so whatever it takes, right? That's what we said. We'll do whatever it takes. I'll smoke whatever. No, I'm just kidding. So um, it's a joke. I won't do that. But um, I have done that, but I won't do that. So... point being this I'm gonna wait on the Lord that was a good song so um, we are in a new series called fruit of the spirit fruit of the spirit grows when you're healthy the the spirit is what makes you healthy the Holy Spirit in you we just preached a message a whole series on him called ghost stories but 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 this series that we're in the epic summer series it stems from a scripture that Paul wrote in Galatians some of you even if you didn't grow up in the church world you might be familiar with it. Check it out. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
See, these are what we're going to be looking at over the next eight weeks together. And you know what hits me in that scripture? And I'm embarrassed to tell you this as your pastor, because this is a common scripture. Here's what I never understood. It actually says, it doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. Like I always said, oh, we need the fruits of the Spirit. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit. It's singular. So in other words, it's one fruit that, that embodies all nine of those elements. I never saw that before. In fact, the title was going to be Fruits of the Spirit. And then I'm reading the scripture. I'm like, wait a minute. It's fruit of the Spirit. We should encompass all those. Now, I don't know where you're at in your walk with Jesus. You might not even believe in him. And that's okay. I'm glad you're here. But I'll tell you this. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, you should produce those. And you you shouldn't just produce them based on your circumstances or based on your situation. But it should be supernatural because the Holy Spirit is the one doing it. I don't know about you, but I fall short in some areas of the love, love, joy, peace, patience. I mean, this series is so necessary for me. I don't know about you, but I need it. And I I think maybe you do too in some areas. Um, I won't get into it. But anyway, so the first element that we're looking at, what's the first word in there? Love. Love, joy, peace, patience. Turn to two people and ask them the question, what is love? Ask them, what is love? If you're watching online, type in the comments right now. What is love? Type, I'm waiting. Type in the comments right now. What is love? What is love? Baby, don't. Okay, so you, me, you, me, him, you, me. Anyway, if you don't understand any of that, it's okay. You're, that means you're under 30 and you're young. So um, you, me, him. Uh, so what is love? So I wrote this down. I wrote, uh, we use the word kind of uh, pretty openly and pretty freely. Yeah, I love your hair. I love your, I love your outfit. Oh, I love that Friends, that new episode. That, that, it was so amazing. I just love it so much. Oh, I love that new app. It, it turns you into a Disney character, and you look so good. I just love it. I'm like, serious? Who has time to do that? <laughs> I guess I had some time this week. So what I love about the app is it makes you look better looking than you really are. I love that. Kind of like beer. It's like you just look better. So um, anyway, so <laughs> you remember the first time you fell in love? Let's talk about love for a second. We're going to answer the question, what is love? And then we're going to look deep into it about how we can embody it in our lives. True, like the Holy Spirit wants us to. So the first time I fell in love, I was in the fourth grade. It was true love, I'm telling you. I asked Mary to go with me. I didn't ask Mary. I asked asked Jennifer to ask Mary. But Jennifer asked Nancy, and Nancy asked Sherry, and then Sherry asked Mary. And Mary said yes, not to me. Mary said yes to Sherry, and Sherry said to Jennifer, and Jennifer said to Nancy. And then Nancy told me, yeah, she said yes. And I was like, yes! I'm like, I am in. And I would planned our whole, our whole life. We were going to get married to Mary, and we were going to have two kids, a boy and a girl. We were going to have pets, a, a, a dog. He would sleep with us, a cat. She would stay at the neighbors. And it was, everything was set. It was all just arranged and perfect. And it was perfect until it wasn't. It lasted about until recess, and then she dumped me. It was good until it wasn't. That wasn't true love. What is true love? What is real love? If anybody knew real love, it would have been John. John was one of the 12 disciples, arguably the closest. He described himself in his humility as the one who Jesus loved. So John, he writes about it a lot. Now, John wrote the Gospel of John, which we're going to look at. And then he wrote some other letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He wrote Revelation, that crazy last book of the Bible. We believe John might have been on LSD when he wrote that book. We don't know for sure, but, but scholars think he might have been. It was crazy, but he wrote that too. I'm, I'm going to preach to you out of John 15. This is the gospel of John, and what John is doing here, he's quoting Jesus at the Last Supper. The Last Supper setting with Jesus and the disciples, what you need to know 
the chapters John 13 all the way through 17 are that setting. In the, the, all, the, all of those chapters are that setting. They are at the Last Supper. And right in the center of it is John 15. And Jesus says something about love, but he's also talking about fruit. And it hit me. I'm like, this is perfect. This is what we're talking about. The fruit of the Spirit. And, and what we're looking at is love. So John 15, verse 1. Jesus said it himself, I am the grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. You know what that tells me? God expects fruit. He expects it. Do you see what he just did? You're not producing fruit? Okay, that's it's it. I, I, and you're producing fruit? I'm going to prune you. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful maybe, but you're going to produce more. He, he, he expects health. He expects fruit. Healthy things grow. And if you're not growing, I'm telling you what, you are dying. God expects it. He wants it for you. That is part of your purpose that we're talking about. Verse 3, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me. That's huge. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed or apart from the vine. Who's the vine? Remember, Jesus is the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me, by the way, he uses the word remain in these verses ten times. Ten times he says remain. What is, why would he say that so much? You know what that tells me? There's a way that we can't, there's a way to not remain in him. There's a, there's a way to be separated from him. There's a way to be apart from him. So, so it, he's telling you, if you're close to me, you can, you can go apart from me. Right? So remain in me. Stay connected to me. Stay close to me. Because he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 5. You can do nothing. Verse 6. Anyone who does not remain in me, there it is again, is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you can ask anything. In my name. You can ask anything you want, and it will be granted. And I think, I don't know if you, about you, but I hear that, and I'm like, okay, Jesus, anything? I've got, like, a list right here. And uh, you said anything, so here we go. And Jesus is like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what I say? Go back and read it again. If you remain in me, and my words in you, then you can ask anything. This is just the best buy receipt, by the way. <laughs> I, think, I think I bought a pack of gum there, so they're like, here's your receipt. So, um, but yeah, so when you produce much fruit... You are my true disciples. Why does he say true disciples? Does that mean there could be a false disciple? Yeah. You, when you produce fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to the Father. I have loved you even as the Father loved me. Remain in my love. He says it again. So, okay, Jesus, I'm going to stop you for a second. You've said remain so far like seven or eight times. How? You keep saying remain in your love. How do we do it? And Jesus is like, I'm glad you asked. Listen to verse 10. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey the Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with joy. And yeah, that, that joy, that will bring great glory to the Father. So isn't that amazing? So we remain in God's love by obeying what he says. And then that's not only going to produce love, but also joy, another, another element in the fruit of the Spirit, right? So this is so crazy. Now, when we hear obey, you know what we do? I don't know about you, but what I do, I kind of push back. I'm like, ah, 
You, want, you don't want me to do that? I'm going to do that. You want me to do that? I'm not going to do that. So we, we, we make up our own rules when it comes to obedience. Is, is it, okay, anybody ever done paintball? Ever, ever shot a paintball gun? A few of you have. Yeah, more than I thought. That's awesome. I love this church. So I, I was in a paintball fight one time. It was organized, and me and some guys are out there. Only time I've ever done it for a good reason. So we're out there, and there's not many rules, but there's one. And the guy kept talking about it. kind of irritated me. It's like, obey this, do this. And what he kept saying is, don't aim for the neck up. Okay, don't, don't shoot people in the head. And you know what I kept thinking in my head? I'm going for the head. I, I just kept, I mean, I wanted to do the opposite. I like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to headshot, you know? So, and I did. And we were all thinking the same thing because we were all shooting each other in the face. It was horrible. So you have a face guard on, thank God. But I took a shot to the mouth. And there's a little, gar- gr- you know, grate there, and it goes through. So it was, I had paint in my mouth flowing down my chin. It was awesome. If I ever act weird or off, uh, which should be never, but if I ever do, it's because I ate paint. I mean, that, I ate paint there. So it was, but I didn't want to obey. We did not want to obey what they said. So think about this. If you obey my commandment, and my next question is, God, Jesus, okay, so we remain in your love by obeying your commandment. So what is the commandment we need to obey? Let's get to that. Let's keep going. What do I specifically have to do, Jesus? Verse 12, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. This would be, this statement would be revolutionary to them. And you might be thinking, what, what do you mean revolutionary love? I mean, Jesus has been teaching that since he's been, you know, since his ministry began. I know, but not this. In, in fact, this is the second time he said this in this setting at the Last Supper. A few, verse, a few chapters earlier in John 13 is where he said it the first time. John 13, 35. Your love for one another. Oh, no, 13, 34, excuse me. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Say new. A new commandment. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I loved you. You should love one another. And then he continues Verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. Well, wait a minute, Jesus. Don't you mean my love for for you or my love for God the Father? And Jesus is like, no, no, no. It's not about that anymore. It's about your love for each other. See, this is is revolutionary. It used to be love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Now Jesus is up the ante. I'm not asking you to love your neighbor like you love yourself. Now I'm telling you, you love them like I love you. This is different, Jesus. This, this, you've raised the bar. And I'm about to tell you something that, that you probably never heard a pastor say before. Big surprise. And, you know, get your camera. So um, you don't need to focus on loving God. Okay? You don't. I'll say it again just so you can get it. You don't need to focus on loving God. You don't need to do it. It's, it's no longer loving God and loving others. And somebody's like, I oh, can't believe you'd say that. It ain't me that said it. It was Jesus. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other the same way that I love you. Why would Jesus say that? He said it because he knows that when you love others, you love God. In other words, loving others is loving God. That's what it's all about. This is what he's saying. By default, when I love you and you love me, we're loving him. I don't need to focus on loving him because I'm loving somebody he loves. You see what Jesus is doing? He's, he's trying to simplify things for us. And it's, but it, but it, it's, it's simple. It's just not easy. I'm giving you a new commandment. Why would he say it's new? Because it was new. And it brings us to the point. Your love for God, your love for God is demonstrated by your love for others. 
Oh, I love God so much. Oh, I'm so, I want to be so close. You love God as much as you love the person, your neighbor next to you, your coworker that you work with. Your love for God is demonstrated by your love for others. And love for others is action. Say act. As followers of Jesus, here's what I think it's easy for us to do. And I can be guilty too. We'll talk about it. We'll post about it. Oh, I got a great, I got a great one-liner here. Oh, I got a great Bible verse here. And those are bad things. I mean, I'm not saying don't do that. We'll tweet about it. But I think so, many times we don't apply it. Like, well, like, we'll hear a great, oh, that sermon, it was so motivating. And we'll go to lunch and we'll, we'll talk about how great and powerful it was. And then we'll never think about it again. Much less apply it to our lives. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Do I want to motivate you? Absolutely. Do I want to encourage you? Yes. Do I, want to, do I want to point you in a direction towards life and purpose? Yes. Do I want to give you truth? Yes. Will we always be a church that looks less like a funeral and more like a party? Absolutely. You know why? Because Jesus, when I was dead in my sin and I was dead in myself, he reached down, lifted me up out of a hole and set me on solid ground. If you can relate to that or Jesus has ever done anything good in your life, you should put your hands together and Give him some praise because he's working in the moment. He wants to work in you. He wants to move in you. So we will celebrate. But I tell you what, my love for God is not, it's not demonstrated by what I'm doing right now. I mean, I, I love what I get to do, but, but my public speaking or my messages that I get to preach to you, that doesn't demonstrate my love for God at all. My behavior at home, well, that would demonstrate it. My behavior to the people closest to me, that would demonstrate it. Not so much this, but that. That's an indicator in my, in my book. And I think it is in Jesus's too. I'll get vulnerable with you. Debated on telling you this because it's just, <laughs> I'm so dumb. So last week we talked about purpose. And we talked, I, I said to you, I said, your purpose in the moment is to, do, is to meet the need that you can meet. When, it, when a need comes that you can meet, you, you meet it. That's living your purpose in the moment. So I told you that. I even, I even posted it, right? Because it sounds pretty good. So this week I'm driving. And I have an appointment. And, and, and I'm, I'm not late, but I'm, I have no margin. I'm right on time. And I get up over the hill in this, in this residential area. And there's a guy in front of me outside of his car, pushing his car, you know, trying to steer at the same time as he pushes his car. And here's my first thought. I don't think I can get around him. You know, I'm like... Uh, you know, I think I can maybe squeeze over. So I literally pull up next to him, and I got to slow down because he's right there. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm just going to roll my window down and make sure he's okay, and then I'll just be on my way. So I put my window down, and I'm like, hey, man, you good? He's like, no, no, I ran out of gas. I'm like, yeah. I said, I said you, but you called somebody? You got somebody coming to help you? He's like, no, I, I haven't. I'm like, I, I, I'm not, so I'm wrestling with this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is anybody from the church around watching? Because if not, I'm out. You know, so I'm, I, I am struggling. So I, I'm like, fine. So I pull my car over to, to a, a side street and I walk over. I get behind his car and I start pushing it. We push it up the hill together. We get it to the side of the street. And I'm like, I'm sitting there. And he's like, I said, all right. I said, I don't live too far away. I said, jump in. We, just don't kill me. I don't know who you are, so don't murder me. But jump in my car, and let's go to my house. I got a gas can, and we'll fill it up. We'll get you some gas or whatever. So we, he gets in my car, and we start driving to my house to get the gas can, and then go to the gas station. And I ask him a question. I just ask him, hey, you know, you from here? But, you know, basic stuff to get to know him. And he starts unpacking things. So here's what he told me. He said, yeah, I'm going through some stuff. Been married 25 years, and, and, and now I'm going through a divorce. I said, after 25 years, I said, really? He said, yep. Yeah. 
yep, I, we have a son and got this going on and that going on. And he made this statement as I'm driving. He said, uh, he goes, I'm starting all over. And I just sat there thinking, here's a guy, runs out of gas at the side of the road, is going through a divorce after 25 years and makes a statement, my life is, I'm starting all over. And at that moment, I knew it was no longer about the gas can. It was no longer about pushing a car up a hill. It was no longer even about any of that. It was about me having a divine appointment to him that in my flesh, without the help of the Holy Spirit, I wanted to skip because it was my schedule and I had to get somewhere. And only, I mean, I, that's why I struggle even saying that, but I just want to be honest with you. So I, so I, I'm, we fill this car up with gas and I tell him, I said, I gave him a card and I said, I didn't even invite, I didn't say, hey, I'm a pastor, come to church. I just said, you know why I didn't have to invite him to church? Because we were already at church. Like we were doing church. Like this isn't church, okay? This is a huddle. We huddle up, we get together, we encourage, we learn the word of God, how to apply it. That's church. Church begins when you leave here. So I give him a card. I said, I want you, to, you or your wife to call if you need anything. And he said, are you serious? I said, yeah, I'm serious. I said, I mean it. And then I laid my hand on his shoulder, and in the middle of a street with his car to the side, I prayed for him, and, and, and I could see tears in his eyes, and I'm like, my gosh. And, and I don't take any credit for it. My heart wanted to blow by him and, and not do anything. But, but the, the fruit of the Spirit. I wrote this down as I thought about that story. Loving others takes time. It will take your time. It won't be convenient. I still went to my appointment. I made the appointment. I was 35 minutes late for my appointment, but I still made it, and things worked out. But I thought to myself, it, it won't be convenient. It never is. It's so worth it. All right, pastor, I get it. We're talking about love, but you still haven't answered the question. Right? What's the title? What is love? What is it? All right. John answers the question. In one of the other books that he wrote, now we're moving from the Gospel of John to a letter that he wrote called 1 John. 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends... Now John is teaching others the same way that Jesus taught him. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Where did John get that from? Jesus. Let us love one another. Love comes from the Father. He is the source, God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Anyone who loves, that supernatural love is his. This is real love, John says. Not that, not that we love God in our conditional way that we, we, we do, but that he loved us and sent Jesus, sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is love. That's real love. That's what he says. I skipped ahead a little bit. Let me go back to verse 8. Get excited about the word of God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is what? Love. And there John says it. Love isn't a feeling. Love isn't an emotion. Love isn't a thing. Love is a person. If, if God, if the Father is God, then the Father is love. If the Son is God, and he is, the Son, Jesus Christ, is love. If the Holy Spirit, remember the fruits of the Spirit? If the Holy Spirit is God, and he is, the Holy Spirit is love. Here's what's so insane about John writing that. Scholars believe that John wrote the le that letter after the destruction of, of, of the temple, after 70 A.D., so understand this at that time, how horrific it was. The temple is destroyed. Uh, we, we think, sometimes we think, oh, well, Christianity just blew up right away after Jesus ascended. No, no, it was, a, it was a plight. By this time, Peter was dead. He'd been executed for his faith. Paul, the author of most of the New Testament, dead, executed for his faith. John, 
standing in a place of total, I mean, the, the, the scene alone, the horrific scene alone would have caused most devout people to question God's love, to question God altogether. It was that bad. It was that bad. So if God was love, there was certainly no evidence of it, what, what John was looking at it. But yet John insisted it was so. This, there, there's something about this. And then we get to the scripture that I just read previously, but I want to read again. It continues, verse, John uh, 4, verse 9 and 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. That's real love. Not that you love God, not that I love God, but that he loves us. And he sent Jesus as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I am the good shepherd. I laid down my life for my sheep. This is real love. That I would be so sacrificial, so other-focused, so out of this world, loving. This is real love. Jesus, I wrote down, Jesus was a living example of God's love. Remember, Jesus is love. A living example of God's love. And we, you and I, if we're a follower of Jesus, we are to be a living example of Jesus' love. That's what we're called to do. Your love and my love for God is demonstrated by our love for each other. Giving up what we want for the sake of somebody else. And isn't that what Jesus came to do? And it, as we read scripture, as we read the story of Jesus, isn't that all we see him do? Everything he does is other focused. Everything Jesus does. You know what's interesting about Jesus? Jesus often got in trouble for violating the, uh, the, uh, the sanitary code back in the day. I don't think, like Jesus wouldn't have done good during COVID. He wouldn't have. I'm just going to be straight with you. Social distancing was not his thing. He liked to get up close and personal. He, he liked to touch people. Like he'd be touching broken people, be touching sinners, be hugging them. But here's the thing. When Jesus did that, here's the kicker. He didn't get sick. Instead, they got well. There's something about Jesus that was so different. It, it, I wrote it down. So the most loving, spirit-filled churches that I know are often the dirtiest. They're often the messiest. They're getting down and they're getting with the people doing the ministry. It's, it's not glossy. It's not fun, but it's, it's worth it. And I guess it would make sense that many of those churches, and I hope Meadows would classify as one of those churches, that we will get down with people and we'll do life together in a messy way. It would make sense because Jesus, who's the head of the church, the cornerstone of the church, well, he, I mean, let's, let's face it, he died a pretty messy death. I mean, covered in his blood, sweat, spit, urine. I mean, there was nothing really sanitary about that. But that, that, that I mean, you think about Our salvation took place on a hill that would have driven you and I, I mean, the smell alone would have brought us back to the city. I think we forget. We see the movies and we see uh, depictions. I mean, it would, the, the moment we would have been horrified. You, we, if, you would have been horrified by the moment when God was most glorified. We would have been. It was a scene like that. Love, love hangs on a cross. The, the, the most famous scripture associated with the sacrifice of Jesus, you know it. It's John 3.16. You know what I couldn't get out of my mind this week? It wasn't John 3.16. It was 1 John 3.16. I kept reading it over and over and over. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. I mean, you think about that statement. You think about what he says there. 
It is not about you. That's why we say Christianity is not about you. But in my world, driving that car that day to my appointment, who was it all about? Me, my appointment, my time, my schedule, what I had to get done. That was, that's what was in my head. And God had to basically force a car where I couldn't almost get through to stop me and say, is it, who's it about? What are you doing? Are you so focused on your life and your family and your schedule and your summer that you're missing everybody around you that have called you to love, that have called you to lift up, that have called you to minister to? Jesus, he was so other-focused. Verse 17, it says, if someone has enough money to live well, most of us are probably doing okay. I mean, we're not living in poverty, certainly compared to the world. If we see a brother or sister in need and we don't show compassion... This is what John says, who knew love. How can God's love even be in that person? And how many times? I mean, it's so convicting to me. Verse 18, dear children, stop just saying it. Will you stop saying you love each other? You you use it so frivolously. Don't say that. Show it with your action. Show the truth by your actions. John is just imploring us to do this. And it brings me to the other point that hit me so hard. Real love requires a response. It does. Real love isn't passive. Real love can't just sit. It can't just take. It never does. It gives. It loves. It serves. It it is action. Real love obligates us to do something for those around us, doesn't it? Real love obligates us to love those that God loves. So, So that's the question. Who does God, who is love, love? Now we can go to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Let's personalize it. Because the world is kind of big and kind of abstract. For God so loved everyone. So God so loved my boss who I can't stand or the friend who's no longer a friend. The ex who we don't even talk. And that, that family member that I want to avoid at all costs. For God so loved them. So, For God so loved the person who doesn't look like me, the person who doesn't act like me, the person who doesn't live like me. For God so loved the person who didn't vote like I voted, right? And this next one's so hard for me to even speak out loud. For God, God loves the person who like, drives under the speed limit, in the left lane, with their blinker on the entire time, wearing a mask all alone in the car. God! Your love is amazing. That's how much he loves. I wrote down to celebrate God's love for me while withholding that love from the people around me who God loves as much as me. Well, that's hypocrisy. And that drives people from the church. And that drives people from the faith. Everybody is somebody that God loves. God, God, you hear nothing else. Everybody is somebody that God loves. Everybody is somebody that Jesus died for. I bring up Papillion Days and outreach. That's what it is. It's not about the, the it's not about the, it's, it's not about the gifts. They're, they're just, uh, uh, we just want to love. We want to value. That's what it's about. People come to know Christ. I told you the story. People came to know Jesus. They weren't even part of it. The, they were working the event. And God's moving. I just, it blows me away. So, so we're going we're gonna to raffle stuff off and nice stuff, and we're going to do all kinds of things. In fact, one of the things we're doing, when, they, when people come to the booth, 
and, and they, uh, they say they sign up for a raffle, we're going to give them a little green token. And we're going to tell them, you know, here's a, here's a green token. Bring that to the church. Come, for the, come to the church and we'll give you green. We'll give you 20 bucks. <gasps> you're, you're, oh, you're that church that pays people to come to church. That's right. That's right. You, that is us. I want that. Yes. Do whatever it takes. 20 bucks for somebody to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll do it all day long. If it brings them to an environment, I don't, whatever it takes. People are dying. People are going to hell. People are addicted. People are suffering. People have been married 25 years and now they're going through a divorce and they're like, I don't know where to go. My life is starting over and I'm lost. That's what it's for. That's why we do the events. That's why I'm asking to sign up and be a part, a small event, an hour. Jesus held nothing back. I wrote it. Jesus held nothing back. We want to be a church that will do whatever it takes. I don't want to hold back. I want people, because people need to know. People that we're going to meet Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. People that you're going to meet later today and tomorrow and the next day. They need to know that Jesus cares for them. That Jesus loves them. That he wants to walk with them. That he wants to know them. That he died for them. They need to know. You have to tell them, you're the only Jesus someone's ever going to see. You're it. I'm it. I don't know if Nathan, the gentleman who I prayed with, his car, I don't know if he'll ever meet anybody else that knows the Lord. I don't know that. I might be it. God, I hope not. I'm, man, I pray you were glorified in that moment, Father. It wasn't me. You know my heart. They need to know that Jesus died for them. You need to know that Jesus died for you. That's exactly what he did for you. I wrote it down. That is exactly what he did for you. You know what? Jesus loves you like that. Not because you deserve it. Not because you earned it. But because that's who he is. Jesus knows all the things that you've done. And you know what? He loves you anyway. He brought you here anyway. He wants to move in you anyway. He has a purpose for you anyway. Jesus moving us. So John, if Jesus is love, and he is, John looked love in the eye. John walked with love. John watched love live. He watched love minister to others. John watched love die. John. I tell you what, I wrote, he had clarity the rest of us can only dream of. And here's what the crazy thing about John. Remember, remember when he's writing this? It's a horrible time for followers of Jesus. Horrible, horrific death everywhere. Everywhere. And John's writing about love. And, and, and I wrote this down. He didn't confuse the cruelty of life with the love that is God. See, I don't know if you know this. You probably figured it out if you've been breathing for more than a few minutes. Life is hard. Life is harsh. Life is not fair, okay? Life is not just, okay? But life is life, okay? But love, love isn't just love. Love is God. That is love. That is who he is. Life, you think about not fair, by the way. So Jesus, God's son, hangs on a cross. Remember, bloody, bruised, broken, sweat, spit, hanging on a cross. And you think God would look down at the people that hung him there? People that spit on him, people that beat him, people that hit him in the face, people that mocked him, people that lied about him, people that uh, 
accused him of false things. You think God would look down and be appalled and disgusted and so upset, but he wasn't. And I think there's people here today, you think God looks at you and the things that you've done, and God, you must be sickened with me. You must be appalled by me, by what I keep doing and the places I keep going and how I keep speaking and who I keep hurting. And I would tell you, God's not mad. I would tell you, God's not mad. You know what God is? Heartbroken. Sin breaks the Father's heart. Sin breaks the Father's heart. You know why? Because sin breaks His children. That's why. He loves His children. He loves His children so much. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. Love requires a response. How will you respond today? Some of you, you're going to respond through prayer. Some are going to respond by surrendering to the cross and saying, you know what? By the way, that's how you're saved. If you don't know, Jesus died for you. And if you have faith to believe that and that he rose from the dead, which he did, if you can believe that and you ask him to forgive you and make you new, he will. Like that's it. That saves you. That's it. You don't have to get all cleaned up right now. You don't have to get it all together right now. He just starts with the Holy Spirit entering into you. That's all you have to do. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You will be saved. He'll save you. Life, could, life will still probably suck in some areas, but you won't be alone. The Holy Spirit will be in you, producing fruit, producing love and joy and peace. This is what he will do. Online, I'll tell you every week, put I choose Jesus in the comments. If you'd, like Jesus, if you'd like the Holy Spirit to enter into you now and make you new. In the room, you have cards to respond to. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. Let us pray for you. How will you respond? His, the cross requires a response. He didn't hang there and die there for us to just sit and be passive. He wants us to act. Remember, he doesn't take lukewarm. He wants yes or no, hot or cold. There's a response that was made by a couple in our church. Love will make you do things you would not otherwise do. Stop alongside of a road and push a car. I, I shared about this couple a few uh, months ago that they uh, adopted a young girl. That was never their plan. They have a heart for fostering, but the fo- they have a heart for fostering like older kids, teenagers. I, I told them, I got a couple you could foster, seriously. But anyway, so I'm like, <laughs> I love you guys. Uh, so... Some days. Uh, so anyway, so that was never their plan. But but a baby was born, who who need uh, there, there there was a need. There was a need, and it required a response. So they were asking a question: Would you meet the need? Love knocked on the door and said, "Would you meet the need?" It required a response. They could respond yes or no. Well, through love, not them, the Holy Spirit in them. Their response would have been, no, we don't, that's not our plan. Our plan is this over here. But love in them, you know what it said? Yes. So they they brought the girl in, not to adopt her, just to foster her for a while. But love will make you do crazy things. And when you fall in love, what happens? They move from fostering her to adopting her. What wasn't in the cards is uh, her getting sick as a baby, which they didn't know that would happen. Her getting cancer as a baby, they didn't really know that would happen. But that did happen. So we're walking with the family and love required a response. They said, yes, we'll do it. And then they said, yes, you're not even asking this, but we want to adopt her and we want to love her and we want to make her ours. We want to bring her into our family. And that's what they did. But the cancer would not stop. Wouldn't. Try this, try this treatment. What is it called? Um, 
I can't even think of it right now, but yes, thank you. Tried this chemo, didn't work. Tried this chemo, didn't work. Tried four of them. None of them worked. And, and, and I don't know much about cancer, but I do know from what they told me, the more you go down the line, the less chances it's going to be. They're going to try the best that they think is going to work right away. And I mean, you start trying, you can try five, 10 or 15 if you want, but it, the, it really narrows. And the baby, obviously to go through chemo as a baby, not pleasant. So they had a, it was, so love required a response from them. What do you want to do? You've tried four, it's not working. The baby's 18 months old. How can you fall in love so much with a baby that's only, you've only known her 18 months? She's not even yours biologically. They were so in love with her. They are so in love with her. But don't want to see that baby suffer. And from what, what the professionals are saying, we need to respond. And so they responded what, what they were, what they were, um, what they, what they recommended to bring the baby home and enjoy the time that they have with her and just stop the chemo. So that's what they're doing. So, so they're home with her and loving her as much as they possibly can. She's sick. God holds you in his arms right now, loving you as much as he possibly can. You're sick. I'm sick. How can they love her so much? You know what? You know, I don't even have to ask them this. They would give their life for her. If God said, I'm going to give you the cancer and I'll, I'll free her from it, they'd do it in a second. And you would too for your kids. And I would too. That's what God did. That's what love does. I give up my life for my sheep. They've known a girl 18 months and they would, they would die now for her. of the Holy Spirit. It's only the Holy Spirit that will get them through. It's only the Holy Spirit that they can look at this and say, God, you're good. And that's what they're saying. How? Love. It's the only way. We know the best is yet to come for her because this world was never her home in the first place. We just wanted her to spend a little more time here. But God, we trust you and we know that she will go to a place that is way better than we live here. And we thank you but it doesn't make it easy. I want to love like that. I'm so fallen. I want, I want us to love each other like that. What does love require us to do? I wrote down, when believers live with the power of the Holy Spirit, the evidence in our lives will be supernatural. It will. Love will just happen. Fruit will happen. And, and the church cannot... I mean, the church cannot be different when that happens. People can... They will notice we're different. They will notice it. And while people, there's people out there that are outside the faith, they may be critical of what we believe as believers, but you know what? They should be in awe of how we love each other. They should be blown away at the way that we love them because we should love them like Jesus Christ loves us. Would you give God 10 seconds of praise? God, thank you. We love you. You are love. Do something in us. Help us love like you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, your word has gone forth through a pen of John, through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wrote it down. And if anybody had a glance at love, it was John. He knew him personally.
In fact, John watched love die. The only disciple that would be at the cross would be John. God, help us love. Help us love the way that you love us. I am giving you a new commandment you told us. God, that's a, you set the bar so high, we can't do it. And you know what I think you're saying? You can't. Only with the power of my Holy Spirit can you love like that. Only with the power of my Holy Spirit can you live like that. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit can you have hope when life seems hopeless. That's the Spirit in us. When we're weak, God, you are strong. God, minister to us right now. Right now, love requires a response. As I pray, I invite the prayer team to come up. In a moment, the, the, the lights will go dim, and I'll invite people to come up and pray. I pray that many will come up and pray. So, devil, you ain't going to stop them either. Right now, you're trying to stop people from praying and getting hope because you know the power of prayer, but we won't allow it. You don't even belong here, okay? Lead by the power of the Holy Spirit. People are going to come for prayer. People are going to come for healing. People are going to come for whatever they need in the name of Jesus, and we will trust you with the results. Love requires a response. The cross requires a response. Help us respond by the way that we love when we leave here. This week, it's not just about us or our family or our needs, but it's about the person at the side of the road pushing a car up the hill thinking, I'm starting over and my life is done. And I need hope. I need Jesus. And we are going to be the, G the only Jesus that people see. Help us love like that. Let us get out of ourselves and out of our selfishness and, and, and be about your business, Father. And for the people in this room today or watching online that don't have a relationship with you, God, I pray they sell out today and surrender everything to you and call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved. Father, we love you. The best is always yet to come because, well, this world's not our home. But I tell you what, it can be abundant on this world. It, it can be good on this world. Because you're God and you're good. So God, do what only you can do. We'll give you all the glory. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.